Is that the best you can do for my Jesus? Amen. Heavenly Father, King of glory, we thank you. Giver of every good gift, we thank you. For your loving kindness, we thank you. For your tender mercies, we thank you. For the gift of life, we thank you. We are beneficiaries of your grace. We are what we are by your grace. We lay every trophy at your feet this morning. We honor you. We bless you. We adore you. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Father. Thank you for that which you have in mind to do this morning. Thank you because all of us will be partakers of that which you have preordained from the foundation of the world. Thank you, Father, because every single one here, Lord, will be drenched with the rain of heavenly dew. There shall be a refreshing upon every one soul here. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for taking over. Thank you for taking control. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' most wonderful name, we have prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Please put your hands together for the Lord and take your seats. Praise God. Wow, I'm so honored and privileged to be with us here in Live International Church, Accra, at the Godly Wisdom Chapel. I'm honored. It's a privilege. I'd like to celebrate and say a special thank you to um, God's servants in this house, Apostle Ben Ishan and his lovely, lovely wife, Mrs. Ifwa Ishan. The Lord bless you. The Lord increase you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. The Lord make all your ways, ways of pleasantness and all your paths, paths of peace. The Lord uphold you and establish his good counsel concerning you. The Lord defend his interest in your life perpetually, continually, from face to face, from level to level, from season to season. The Lord defends his own interest in your life every day of your lives. That which the Lord has proposed concerning you shall continue to speak. It shall yet to speak. Because it hasn't even crossed your mind. Eyes haven't seen. Ears haven't heard. It hasn't come near your mind. Those things which God has ordained and prepared to do in and through you. And those things shall see the light of day and all the glory will go to the name of the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Let's celebrate them. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen and amen. God bless you. I came in the company of my wonderful daughter. She claims to be my firstborn. <laughs> Pastor Faith Apia, God bless you. Thank you. We go way back, way, way, way back. And yeah, 25 years, you can imagine. <laughs> and uh, I'm, so, I'm so proud of her, so proud of what God is doing in her life and through her. And the greater things that lie ahead, we shall all see and celebrate, and all the glory will go to the Lord in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I also recognize this morning, Mrs. Smith. Wow. <laughs> God bless you, Mama. Wonderful woman with a sweet spirit. 
we go way, way, way back to, yeah, yeah, 25 years thereabout. Yeah. The Lord bless you, my greater grace to you and your family in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want you to celebrate yourself. Celebrate yourself. Because you are special to God as well. Amen and amen. Praise God. I bring you very warm greetings from my husband. And uh, I'm here today by his kind blessing and permission. And I know that uh, the grace that is at work in him would also help us today as the Lord enables us in Jesus' mighty name. In a few minutes, I just want to share with you from my heart, wisdom nuggets for marital harmony. Wisdom nuggets. I just want to share some very uh, simple but profound nuggets of wisdom for marital harmony. Whether you're married or single, whatever is the situation, or whether your situation is uh, complicated, <laughs> whatever it is, <laughs> there's a word for you today. There's one word with your name on it, one word, and you will receive it today in Jesus' mighty name. Now, you see, we can never truly understand God until we understand his heartbeat for the family. We can't say we know God until we have clearly understood God's heartbeat for the family. Very important. For example, he allowed Jesus to come to the world through a family. He could have done it through another way. But he made sure that Jesus came through a family. That underscores the importance of the family to God. And that's why we must not joke with our families. We must not joke with our family relationships. Because they matter to God, very, very close to God's heart. He said in Psalm 68 and verse 6, Psalm 68 and verse 6, he said, God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. So you are not in that family by accident. God puts you there. He puts you in that family, not by accident. And then when it comes to marriage, you see, your spouse is one person whom God has called you to bless and to minister to. God says, in the whole world, just this one person. One person. One. One person. Just one. Minister to this person. Love this person. Comfort this person. Encourage this person on my behalf. One person. <laughs> Have you ever thought of, of it that way? On my behalf. That's what God is saying. So in marriage, when we come into marriage, we should be seeking to be on God's behalf, a companion, a helper, and an addition to the person that God has given to us. On God's behalf. On God's behalf. Because he made marriage and we are accountable to him. I want to make it very clear this morning. Your success is incomplete if you do not have your family to clap for you. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? Your success is incomplete if you do not have your family to clap for you. Very profound. Because there's no amount of success anywhere in the world that can make up for family failure. And so you need to pay attention to do your part. Because by the help and the grace of God, that which you need to know, that will set you on the right course and set you on the right path generationally, God will release it to you today. You know, when we begin to have an understanding that the things we do have generational consequences, it affects the way we behave. Because it doesn't just end with you. There are consequences that will outlive you in your children, your grandchildren, and everybody that they will relate with. 
everyone that your children will relate with will be beneficiaries of what's going on in this relationship. They will benefit from it because whatever happens in that marriage will affect those children and that's what they will carry into their own relationships and it will keep going. It just has a reverberating ripple effect generationally, what goes on, which is why we need to pay attention and do things the right way. Hallelujah. See, marriage does not work by default. Marriage doesn't work because you love each other. Marriage doesn't work because you pray for it to work. <laughs> marriage doesn't work because you want it to work. It doesn't work by default. It doesn't work because you pray it must work. It doesn't work because you love each other. So the reason our marriage is working is because we love each other. No, love alone is insufficient. Marriage doesn't work by default. No, 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 no. Because that's a mistake a lot of people make. They think, oh, oh we have, we're especially singles, oh, you're getting married, and ah, we are so much in love, what could possibly go wrong? Fast forward to a few years down the line, they can hardly stand, stand the sight of each other. It's not automatic that marriage will work because you love each other, or because you pray, or because you want it to work. No. <laughs> marriage will work because you make it work. You make it work. They talk about compatibility. Oh, we are not compatible. That's why it's not working. And I, I say compatibility is overrated, if you ask me. Compatibility is overrated. <laughs> because compatibility is not something you have. Compatibility is something you create. It's what you want. You create it. That's compatibility. It doesn't, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. We are not compatible. We are not compatible. You create what you want. That's how marriage is. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> When you understand that marriage is God's secret for earthly dominion, it will change your entire perspective. Marriage is God's secret for earthly dominion. Earthly dominion. God's secret. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28. And the Bible says, and God blessed them. And he said to them. He didn't say to him. He didn't say, come, don't mind your wife. He didn't say, come, don't mind yours. He said to them. He blessed them. And he said to them. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. Marriage is God's secret for earthly dominion. If you are married, or when you eventually do get married, and your marriage is what it should be in the sight of God, dominion will be automatic for you. You won't struggle for dominion, because that's how God packaged it. And that's why the devil fights the unity and the togetherness of marriages because he knows that if you are together and if it is working, there's no stopping you in fulfilling destiny. He knows. He knows what many of us do not know. <laughs> Hallelujah. So when you come into marriage, have this understanding that this, your spouse is God's gift to you. Your spouse is God's gift to you. Your husband, your wife is God's gift to you. You know... Perspective is everything. You know that. Your perspective is everything. How you treat something is determined by how you see it. Uh, so I'm holding this microphone the way I'm holding it because I have the correct perspective about the usage, the correct usage of this microphone. That's why I will not pick this mic and use it to sweep the floor or hit it here on this lectern. I won't do that because my perspective is that this thing is delicate and it is meant to amplify my voice. Your perspective is what determines how you see anything. When you see your spouse as a gift, as a blessing from God, it will change how you behave towards them. Proverbs 18.22, Proverbs 18.22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing, a blessing, an addition. <laughs> 
So you come into the institution of marriage, you come into an institution that is inherently blessed. Inherently blessed is a blessed institution. The only problem is that the practitioners are imperfect. <laughs> so you are married to someone who is imperfect in a perfect institution. All right? But you see, as imperfect as you are, and as imperfect as your spouse is, they have the potential to become better in your company. They have the potential to become greater, to become better with correct treatment. With what? They have the potential to become better with what? Correct treatment. When you have the right perspective. You know, many times the problem with us is that we... we we camp around people's behavior so much. We allow what people do get to us. He said this, he did that, she did that, she didn't do this, she said this, she, you know, we allow all those things to, you know, stand in our way, becloud our vision, disturb our ability to reason because of their behavior. They did this, they did that, they didn't do this, they didn't. See, you must mature and grow to the point where you learn to separate your spouse from his behavior. S separate your husband or your wife from their behavior. Separate them. Separate them. This is my husband or this is my wife. And so I know that I'm in this relationship based on the right perspective and I know what's going on, right? Now, their behavior is undesirable. It doesn't disturb me. It doesn't stand in my way. And I'm going to expatiate on that uh, very briefly. And so when you do that, it helps you to be able to be creative in working on the aspects of your marriage that are not working. It helps you to be creative, to know how to do the right thing. Sometimes it may mean, you know, exhibiting tough love. Sometimes it may mean, um, you know, insisting on boundaries. But when you take that step of not muddling things up, and then you separate them from their behavior, you are able to think correctly, you are able to reason with God, you are able to come up with creative ideas that will help you know what to do about the unpleasant situation in your marriage. Am I talking to somebody this morning? These are sobering truths, and I hope that um, you are receiving them. <laughs> Praise the Lord. If you are tired of what you are experiencing in your marriage, change what you are giving. Change what you are giving. Change what you are sowing. Just check what you are sowing. The idea, the problem with us is that we think that marriage is a place where you go to to go and get something. You get married so that you can get something. You can receive something and you can uh, have something. No. <laughs> marriage is a place where you go to give. Look at that. You go to give. Can you imagine how differently things will play out in your relationship if you begin to look at it from the perspective that I am a blessed person, I have value, I have virtue, and I'm looking for who to bless. Can you imagine how differently things will play? Oh, when someone is wondering, so if I'm doing the, all, all the giving, what, how about the other person? Shouldn't they give too? That is the wisdom that many of us do not also get. The wisdom that you can never really get what you're looking for, especially in marriage, by direct action. It doesn't come by direct action. <laughs> That's why some people spend an entire life trying to change their spouses and they die trying and they never succeed. 
Because God never gave us the power to change anybody. You don't have that power. You can't change anybody. You can't control anybody. You can only change yourself. You can control yourself. You can work on yourself. And when you do that, in response to your own initiative, your partner now will gradually take the lead. I mean, follow your lead. Is anybody with me this morning? <laughs> Hard truths. Uh, I didn't come to excite you. I came to share some sober truths with you. So you can go back home and reflect on these truths. But I know a new day is dawning for someone in the name of Jesus Christ. A new day is dawning for somebody in the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody has the potential to be anything depending on how you relate with them. I'm telling you, inside every human being, inside every person, your husband, your wife, there is a saint and there is the other one. <laughs> there is a saint and there is uh -huh, the other one. <laughs> the one you speak to per time is the one that will answer you. The one you address per time is the one that will respond to you. If you talk to her or treat her or talk to him or treat him like a beast, that's the one you are addressing. That is the one that will respond to you. But if despite their weaknesses, you address them and relate with them like the saints, like who you want them to be, I'm telling you, that is the one that would also respond to you. Our problem is that we camp around what people do, like I said earlier on, and we are so focused on their shortcomings. And so we begin to treat our spouses only based on what they deserve. And for as long as you treat anybody based on what they deserve only, they will never change. They will never get better because you're giving them what you think they deserve. And you see, he who is down needs fear no fall. <laughs> I'm already on the floor. In your eyes, I can do no good, so it's okay. It's fine. Nobody, no human being is ever motivated to change when they are constantly being told what is wrong with them. No human being is ever motivated to change or get better when they are constantly being told, constantly being reminded of what's wrong with them. Constantly. And so if you keep treating them only based on where they are at, they will remain at that level because, uh, yeah, that's what you are calling forth and that's what you get. But you know the Bible talks about faith <laughs> calling the things that be not as though they were. That has to be practiced in your marriage too. Let one man come here, please, with your permission. I want to make an illustration. A man, just come here quickly. <laughs> Thank you. Put your hands together for him. Please, what's your name? Richard McCarthy. Okay, Richard. Let's assume now that Richard is my husband and he's not behaving well. All that he has done to me, all he deserves from me is to be treated this way, at this level, this is where we are at. Alright? This is how it will remain. Until you take up the challenge of deciding and finding out in your heart, where do I want Richard to be? And in your case, it may be your wife. In your mind, you are envisioning that he should be operating from that point. In your mind, by faith, he should be better. He should be operating from that place. But right now, this is where he's at. And you're treating him based on where he's at. You know something? If you want to see a change, begin to treat him as if he's already in that place. Yeah. 
begin to treat by faith. Call the things that be not as though they were. The one who is misbehaving already knows he's misbehaving. She knows. You don't need to remind them. You think it is your lecture, your 2 a.m. lecture that is uh, telling them, yeah, there's nothing you, you want to say. They know how you feel about them. They know. And sometimes, honestly, people's misbehavior is a cry out for help. People who misbehave sometimes, they are crying out for help because they themselves are helpless. They have no idea how to come out of the ruts that they are in. Cooperate with God by faith. Tell your neighbor for me, cooperate with God by faith. Call the things that be not as though they were. Begin to treat him as if he's already there. And then gradually, gradually, it's, it, it's a spiritual principle. Gradually, it may be slow. It may take some time. But gradually, slowly but surely, he will rise up to that level. Because you already raised the bar in the spirit. Thank you. So I'm challenging you today. Treat your spouse based on who you are not based on who he is not based on who she is not based on what they deserve but based on who you are who are you i keep asking people these questions this question who are you in my counseling session to my marital or premarital whichever one i ask them define yourself you must know who you are at your core because you will need that understanding to be able to relate with this person especially when they start misbehaving or if they do things that uh, that rob you the wrong way you'll be tempted to also pay them back in kind but you must stick to who you are stay true to who you are and then treat them based on who you are not based on who they are not based on what they deserve but based on who you are so who am i i'm a gracious person who am i i'm a patient person who am i i'm a proactive person who am I? I'm a prayerful person. Who am I? I'm a loving person. Who am I? What are my values? I value honesty. I value cooperation. I value hard work. Those are the things now that will determine how I treat my spouse, not what he's doing or what she's doing to me. Is anybody with me this morning? May the Lord grant us understanding. It matters to God how you treat your spouse. So you need to know that. It matters to God how you treat your spouse. It matters. I see how people treat each other shabbily. And I'm like, they don't even understand. It matters to God how you treat your spouse. It matters to God. It matters to God. <laughs> First Samuel chapter 2 verse 3. First Samuel chapter 2 and verse 3. He says, God is a God of knowledge. And by him, actions are weighed. God weighs our actions. Weighs the things that we do. Matthew 25 verse 40 Matthew chapter 25 and verse 40 whatsoever therefore you do to the least of these my brethren that you do unto me the day I saw this scripture years ago it changed my perspective and my approach to relationships whether marriage or any kind of relationship he said whatever you do to even the smallest of my brethren he said I'm the one you have done it so I take it personal can you imagine it matters how you treat your spouse may the Lord give us the grace to do the right thing when you keep I can't emphasize this enough when you just, just stay in tune with who you are 
Matthew 1.19. Matthew 1.19. Uh, uh, Joseph, uh, the, the, the earthly father of Jesus. He was engaged to be married to Mary. We all know the story. And then suddenly now she's pregnant and she says, Holy Spirit, one Holy Spirit made happen. What is that? Now, <laughs> if it was in today's world, we would have said, okay, we've heard that before in the Bible. Maybe in their time, there was nothing like that. It was a shameful thing. It's not like today where you get pregnant out of wedlock and you're flaunting it and feeling cool about it on social media. It's not like that. It wasn't like that. <laughs> it was a shame. It was a disappointment. It was a disgrace to him. Terrible. And the Bible says that, <laughs> oh God, in this verse of scripture, Matthew 1.19, it said, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, being a just, because he was a just man, what did he decide to do? He was not willing to make her a public example. Ah, ah, somebody has let you down. Somebody has disgraced you. Somebody has disappointed you. And you are still protecting her. He, he didn't want to make her a public example. And then he decided he needed to put her away, but he would do it quietly to preserve her dignity. Ah, ah, someone who has hurt you. <laughs> But why was he able to do that? Being a just man. Because of who he was. So it is who you are that determines what you do. I mean, if this is all I came to tell you today, I think it's enough. That you go back and revisit who you are in Christ. Revisit who you are as a child of God. Revisit your values. Your core values. Revisit your character. Settle that with God. Take roots downwards in the Lord. And stop playing religion. Hallelujah. May the Lord give us grace. Quickly, I want to look at the, the, the issue of deception. You see, one weapon that the devil uses, one big weapon in his arsenal that he uses, and which he has always used in the beginning against families, against marriages, is this weapon of deception. Deception. Oh, Satan thrives on deception. He thrives on deception. Ah, Genesis 3.13, we know the story. Genesis 3.13, it says, And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me. He deceived me, and I ate. He deceived me. And 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and verse 3. The same admonition is given to us now. He said, he said I fear lest by enemies, as the serpent deceived or beguiled Eve through his subtlety, through his craftiness. I fear that your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Ah, your mind will not be corrupted. You will not fall for the subtlety of the devil. You will not fall for the deception of the devil. What are some of the examples of the deception that the devil is selling regarding marriage relationship? Number one, that marriage is a matter of luck. That good marriages are a matter of luck. So if you're happily married, is that you are lucky. If you are not happily married, is that you are not lucky. How many of you have heard that before? You say, oh, the man, oh, he's a good guy. Oh, the woman, she's a good woman, but that's her third husband. That's his third wife. He's not lucky with women. He's lucky in business, but he's not lucky with women. Have you heard that before? Oh, you've not heard that before? <laughs> There's nothing like that. There is absolutely nothing like that. I mean, so can you imagine? So God will create an institution like marriage and leave the success of it based on luck. So what if you are not lucky? Then it won't work? No. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. This is the truth. 
Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, he said, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that he also shall reap. It's as simple as that. There's nothing like luck. Marriage will only deliver to you as much as you put into it. Period. That's all. There's nothing else to it. Your marriage can only be as successful as the degree to which you are willing to work at it. The degree to which you are willing to work at it. The degree to which you are willing to work at it. The extent to which you are willing to stretch yourself and pay the price. That's the degree to which your marriage will work. There's nothing like luck. So if you are lucky, then no, no, no. no. What are you willing to put into that marriage consistently? Let me hear you say consistently consistently. Let me hear you say consistently. What are you willing to put into it? And this includes even paying the price for acquiring requisite knowledge. So you are married. I tell people during counseling, I say, you know, in this person you're getting married to or this person that you're married to, you're going to be married to at least five different people in this one person in your lifetime. Five different people. Why? Because people evolve. People go through phases and through, through seasons. Marriages go through phases and through seasons. And look, I'm here today by the grace of God. I'm not who I used to be even, even five years ago. Ah, this five years, mm -mm, I'm not the same person here. <laughs> I'm not the same person. Growth. So you have to be willing to pay the price for even knowledge, requisite knowledge updating yourself as the years go by updating yourself about what it means to be in that level or that stage of marriage and what it takes how does one relate with a man or a woman who is at this phase how does one treat each other how do you treat each other in this season you have to pay the price and make sure that you are sowing the right seed because what you sow is what you will reap requisite knowledge you have to learn some things. You have to relearn certain things. You have to unlearn certain things. You have to learn to adjust. You have to learn to forgive. You have to learn to let go. You have to learn to keep abreast with relevant information for every phase. Do you see that marriage is hard work? <laughs> That's it. So it's not luck. Hallelujah. Number two, deception. Number two, lie that the devil tells. That your spouse is your enemy. <laughs> That your husband is your enemy. <laughs> or that your wife is your enemy. <laughs> hey, the truth is clear from the word of God. First Peter chapter 5 verse 18. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 18. Your adversary, the devil. Marriage has only one enemy, the devil. Marriage has how many enemies? One. One. Just one. So I tell couples, I say, you see, whatever problem comes your way in that marriage, wherever the storm is coming from, from whichever direction, stay side by side. Remain together. See it as an affront on your marriage, not on your person. And together, in unity, fight that battle. Together. Not fight each other. Because that's what we do. We turn around and start fighting each other. No. Marriage has an enemy. And that enemy is not your husband or your spouse. Well, he's misbehaving. Well, she's misbehaving. Yeah, 
The reason is because an enemy is at work through them. That's why it looks as if they are the ones attacking you. Matthew 13 verse 28. Matthew 13 verse 28. An enemy has done this. An enemy has done this. And why, why is it from verse 24? He said, the man sowed good seeds. He sowed good seeds. But verse 25, while men slept. You see that? While men slept. Carelessness. Not paying attention. Not being proactive. Leaving things to chance. You are married now. The project is over. And then you start behaving anyhow. You're not paying attention to the little things that matter. There must be daily input. Just like in our bodies, in our health. We do things daily that keep us healthy. We brush our teeth every day. We bath every day. We, when the weather is cold, we dress warmly. When the weather is warm, we dress, cold, we, we dress uh, um, um, lightly and all that. Nobody wakes up and says, I've been brushing this teeth, Charlie. It's been 28 years. I'm not brushing again. Does anybody do that? No. You brush sometimes two, three times a day, self, depending on where you work or what you do. And as the Lord lives, tomorrow morning you wake up and brush again. Tomorrow you wake up and brush again. Tomorrow you brush again. Tomorrow you brush again. You take your bath, you bath in the morning, bath in the evening. When the weather is hot, you bath several times and you keep doing it. That's why you look the way you look. That's how marriage is. There must be daily input. For it to thrive. Daily attention. Daily Daily, you, you have to be intentional. I've, I, I said, I've said it. I said, if you ask me, if you ask me, I've been married by God's grace a few years. November this year, my marriage will be 33 years old by the grace of God. <laughs> and I've been into marriage counseling for, oh, so long, like over two decades and all. And I've, I've thought about it. I've looked up and down. I've checked and checked and checked. And I said, if you ask me, what is the one word that it all boils down to when it comes to what makes for a successful marriage? One word. If you ask me one word, according to me, that word is intentionality. That word is what? Intentionality. You've got to be intentional. You've got to be deliberate. You've got to know what you want. And you've got to know how to get it. And those of you who are single, marriage is a means to an envisioned end. Marriage is not just an end in itself. It's a means to another end. Not just an end, an envisioned end. An end that you have envisioned. This is where we need to be. This is where we're going. This is what we want. That's the envisioned end. And then, you must have a blueprint, a roadmap that will take you there. Intentionality. I told you at the beginning, marriage doesn't work by default. Marriage doesn't work because you love each other. Marriage doesn't work because you pray. Marriage works because you make it work. You have to be intentional. There are things you do intentionally. There are things you refrain from doing. There are things you pay attention to. There are, look, is anybody getting anything this morning? Don't listen to the lie of the devil. The enemy is the devil, not your husband. Okay? So... Because when you have this perspective, then you start fighting each other. And then it, it blocks your ability to come up with creative ways and options to even hear God and receive inspiration regarding how to deal with the problem. Because he has convinced you that your problem is your husband or your wife. 
Hallelujah. The next deception, I think I can take maybe one more. The next deception is that you do not love him anymore. You do not love her anymore. Oh, this one, dear. Oh, dear. dear. Finished. Hmm? It's finished. Asa. Finished. <laughs> he convinces you that love is dead. Ah, listen carefully. The truth is this. After you get married, love ceases to be the reason for marriage. Marriage is now the reason for love. <laughs> After you get married, once you are married, so it's no longer eh, so is eh, love. Uh, now that marriage is the reason for love. So it, it's. Are you, are you seeing intentionality? Are you seeing the power of perspective here? The truth is that love cannot die. God is love, the Bible tells us. Love is the nature of God. God cannot die. Love cannot die. It is impossible for love to die. It's just that what we call love, that's the issue, our definition of love, that's a problem we have. Because you see, love is deeper and stronger than mere feelings. Just mere feelings, you yeah? know? Mere feelings, because that's how we define love for many of us. <laughs> and if all you have going for you, especially those of you who are single, if all you have going for you is just feelings, hey, I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry for you. Feelings come and go. Feelings come and go. You can't build anything that will last on mere feelings. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. It is not sustainable. Mere feelings. And that's why you can have feelings for, for multiple women or multiple men. Because it's just mere feelings. That is adrenaline-fueled emotion. Yes, it's driven by adrenaline. Yeah. And yet you didn't love at all. <laughs> adrenaline-fueled emotion. So you see this one, your heart beats, grrr, you really, hey, bah, 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 bah. you see another one, then your heart goes, boom, 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 boom. Then you go some places, you see another one, then your heart goes, bing, 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 bing. And you say it is love? Feelings, just mere emotions, mere feelings. That's why we can say, I don't love anymore. True love can be constant. It can be unchanging. Why? Because it is a decision and a deliberate choice. True love is a decision and a deliberate choice. True love is a decision and a deliberate choice. A decision, a decision, a deliberate choice. A deliberate, that's why it can be constant. That's why it can be constant. And I'm not talking about likeness here because many times we camp around, oh, I don't like what he does. I don't like what she does. That's all right because we are humans. We have our preferences. There are things the other person does that rubs you the wrong way. There are things my husband does that I don't like. And there are things I do too that he doesn't like. It is what it is. But you see, likeness and love are two different things. It is possible not to like what somebody does or even not to like the person temporarily. At, as at that time, you don't like him. You don't like her at all at that time, temporarily. But that does not tamper with your love. Because, you see, likeness is about 
preferences, what I like is in the realm of your mind, you know. I don't like this. I don't like to be talked to like that and all. But love is a thing of the heart. The love of God has been shed abroad our hearts by the Holy Ghost that dwells in us. So love can be constant because it's a decision. It's a decision. It's a deliberate choice that you renew every day. You renew it every morning. Lord, thank you for today. I'm alive and well. I give you thanks. I, today, I renew my commitment to love my husband, to love my wife. Today, I have, I'm renewing my decision to walk in love no matter what comes. So ahead of time, you have prepared yourself. No matter what comes, you're going to walk in love. You may be angry. You may do tough love. You may be upset. You may have to put boundaries in place. You may have to seek counsel. You may have to talk. You may have to have difficult conversations but you are in love all the same side by side facing your common enemy <laughs> and today I'm challenging you you are just one decision away from a totally different experience just one decision away just one and I don't know who that word is for just one decision. We just make a decision today from a totally different experience and a totally different act. Well, some people say, but for me, I don't feel anything. It's all right. If you go by feelings, you'll never do the right thing. Especially when the other person is misbehaving. Hey, feelings. There'll be no feelings. Me, I can tell you for free. That there were times in my marriage that things were not going well. Like I was upset with my husband. And I looked for the feeling up, down, left, right, and center, north, east, and west. I couldn't find feeling. No, there was, I wasn't feeling anything. No feeling. I, 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 I'm upset. And even though I'm not given to anger, I don't have that gift. But, I mean, I'm human. <laughs> and there are things that sometimes... This, ah, this. So... That the feeling is not there does not mean love is dead. You think Jesus felt like going to the cross? Do you think he felt like? <laughs> he didn't feel like. That's why in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying and negotiating with the Father and saying, Abba, Father, I beg you, is there no way? Can't we do something about this cross? Like, can we not save humanity without this cross? And he was in agony of spirit. And the sweat drops were like drops of blood. He didn't feel like dying, though. And yet, he did what he needed to do. That's love. Sacrifice. That's love. You don't go by feelings. Today you feel this way. Tomorrow you feel that way. <laughs> Hallelujah. So decide from today. Let your decision take the lead and let your feelings follow. Let your decision take the lead and let your feelings follow. Many times you may not feel like it, but because you are proactive and you're being intentional, you take the right step and then your feelings will follow you later. But if you wait for your feelings, you'll never do the right thing. <laughs> so you have to love out of a decision. I've made a choice. I've, I decide that this is the right thing to do and I'm going to do it. That's how to love. That's why love can be constant. It is possible that love will not die. Love cannot die. Love cannot, love cannot be tired. Love, can, love cannot be refired. It can, I mean, love cannot be retired. It can only be refired. It can't die. 
So maybe you are in the place where at this time you are wondering, so what does one do? Because as for me, I believe this thing for a long time that there's no love, honestly. Simple. You want to start feeling. <laughs> oh my God. You want the feelings to come back. Take the proactive step of doing loving acts. Yes. Loving acts. That's how, it, when you do loving acts, it's like you are fanning the flame of love. You're fanning, fanning, fanning. You know, cold pots, right? Loving acts. Loving acts. Ask yourself, if I loved him, if I loved her, what would I have done? What would I have done? Today is Sunday. What would I have done? What would I have done if I, when I really loved them, what would I have done? When I loved him, what? <laughs> and then go ahead and take that step. Loving acts. Remember, faith calls the things that be not as though they were. Let me throw this in here for context and for balance. I'm not talking of abuse in any way. I'm not talking of enduring abuse. I'm not talking of where you are being battered and somebody is battering you and then you are having physical injuries and there are all kinds of things and uh, hitting you and uh, like some people even die in the marriage. Some people go mental. They are mad. They are crazy now because they are sticking it out there. That's not what I'm talking about. In the case of abuse, seek help. Don't keep quiet. Run and seek help. Run and seek help. Talk to somebody. Talk to somebody. Don't sit down there. That is love too. That is being proactive. That's being intentional. Take steps. Take steps. Do something. Don't keep quiet. Communication has broken down to the extent that both of you cannot even see eye to eye. You can't even talk. And there are issues lingering. Go seek help. Go talk to somebody prayerfully. Find somebody. Talk about it. Seek help. Don't sit down there. That is also love. Because when Jesus was on the cross and God turned his back away from Jesus, can you imagine? He didn't sin. He didn't do anything. He's only begotten son. And Jesus, he was, he was nailed on the cross. And for a moment, God turned his face away. He turned his face. He rejected him at that time. When he carried the sins of the world on himself, God turned his back. And Jesus said, ah, 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 my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? God turned his back on him. And God calls that love. <laughs> you didn't get that. That thing God did was also an act of love for you and I. So sometimes love has to be tough. Love must take some drastic steps, but you must be proactive all the same. Is anybody listening to me this morning? Okay, now, so it looks like my time is up, so let me just round off now. There's so much to say, so very many things and deceptions, but we have heard what we need to hear today. Let me just round this off. Uh, I, I believe, God, that you have come to the understanding that every good marriage comes with a price tag. There's a price tag. It comes at a price. <laughs> like every good thing in life, it has a price tag. It comes at a cost. It comes at a cost. Like every good thing in life, it comes at a cost. There's a price to pay. You have to pay the price. In our businesses, in our careers, in our professions, we pay the price for requisite knowledge. You know, we pay the price for incremental knowledge and increases. In our professions, we go to school, we do extra courses. We, we take the extra step to stretch ourselves just to add value to ourselves in our professions, in our careers, 
in our businesses. We do all kinds of things. That's the same way it should be with our marriages. Pay the price. Pay the price. Don't settle down and think that you know what you are doing. You do not know until we see a better result. You don't know. You don't know. You are also quiet. <laughs> Missy, you don't know. Because pride will not allow some people to seek help. They won't. They won't seek help. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. That one works for them. It doesn't work for me. Me, I know what works for me. Nobody will tell me how to run my home. Nobody. May you not end up being a lonely old man. And may you not end up being a lonely old woman. You're not getting younger. Time is going. The foundation you lay, the price you pay, the dividends will come tomorrow. Marriage is an investment. It's an investment. It's an investment. It pays great dividends over time with patience. It pays dividends with patience. With patience. The, the dividends will come. Oh, it will come. I saw my late father and my late mother, how they related. My father took ill at some point. He needed surgery. They did the surgery for him. He was already an old man, and there was a mistake. There was an error in the procedure. They gave him an overdose of anesthesia, so he didn't wake up from the surgery when he should. By the time he woke up much later, then he was vegetative, so he didn't know himself anymore. And he was in that state for five and a half years. Nobody saw that coming. Nobody prays for things like that. Nobody knew that it would happen. Does anybody pray for things like that? Nobody. Oh, but my mother took care of him with her life. Ah, five and a half years, not one bed saw. Have you heard that before? Not one bed saw. Somebody lying on the same spot. Five and not one. If you enter the room and they tell you this man is vegetative, you will say it's not possible. Nails clipped, room swept, everything proper, everything neat. An uncle of mine, older uncle, he will come to the house. He will come to greet my father. He will look at my father and he will cry. He would cry, old man. He would cry. And you, we were thinking that maybe he was feeling for his cousin, you know, like. He said, no. That if this happens to me. <laughs> <laughs> that if, if it was me, if this ever happens to me, what will become of me? Because in his heydays, he was a very wicked man. No woman could stay with him. This one, well, well, get angry. Throw her away. Another one, that one. Well, 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 well. And that time there was power, there was money, there was energy. But you see, energy is a dwindling resource. Dwindles. Oh. So he will come and he will cry and cry. Ah, hey. Because if this happens to him, he's, oh, he won't last one week. He's gone. Nobody has driven everybody away. <laughs> he said, oh, if this happens to me. <laughs> Marriage is an investment. The woman could do that for her husband because of how he also had treated her over time. Because of how he had treated her over time. And she loved him to the very last. I remember before he died, one time he was ill. I don't know. We don't know what it was, but... 
he was ill and he needed to be hospitalized. So she rushed and she was trying to get someone to help drive them to the hospital. And one woman said, ah, ah, are you bothering yourself again? You're worrying yourself again, still trying to carry him to the hospital. Are you bothering? In other words, aren't you tired too? Maybe he needs to just go. Can you imagine? So my mom said, so I'll now watch him. I see that he's not well, then I'll leave him to die. God forbid. <laughs> Till the very end, even at his graveside, she sang with her old woman's voice, breaking voice. And she said, I live ever, I loved you. I love you now much more than ever. Eh? Eh? After being married for 40 something years. <laughs> ah, you will not be a lonely old man. No. And you will not be a lonely old woman. Pay the price today. Nothing works on it or make it work make it work work on yourself and then leave the rest in the hands of the lord as we pray this morning i want to i want to let you know that the answer to your prayer will come in the form of revelation sometimes we think that when we pray we just say oh lord oh god oh god oh god ah, i finished in jesus name surely goodness mm -mm. sometimes the answer to your prayer will come in the form of revelation of what you need to do. And that's what I'm going to pray for you about this morning. Revelation of what you need to do, what you should do, what you should do. The step you should take, God will speak to you. It will come. Some of you need to go send a text message after service. Some of you need to go and send an apology. Some of you need to go make a call. Some of you need to initiate conversation. Initiate it. Don't say, eh, both of us were in church. So, both of us heard. So, eh, after all, they said, eh, well, I've heard my own. I've picked, eh, eh. Be the one who will tell the devil enough. Enough. Don't forget, this thing has generational consequences. There are destinies tied to what is going to on in this marriage. The children, the offspring from this marriage, like I said, everywhere they go, they will be carrying the baggages from this place to those relationships. That's how far-reaching the effects of your relationships are. Be the one. Swallow your pride. Be the one to say enough of nonsense. Be the one. If, if the dysfunction has been generational, it's been going, and maybe you are even justified. You are the one who feels offended. Stand up and be gracious and say, I put an end. Draw the line at nonsense. Draw the line. Hey, yeah, it's enough. I may not get an apology. I may not be applauded. I may not be appreciated, but I'll satisfy my conscience that I did what was right. And I leave the rest to God. And what I cannot do, God will do the rest. But do your part. Do your part. Do your part. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Your generation is blessed. Bow down your heads and I want you to talk to the Lord as I pray for you. I don't know what made sense to you. And I don't know what, in what area you need the grace of God. I don't know. This is a sobering teaching today. It's sobering, but you need to just talk to the Lord. You needed to hear this. So now ask the Lord for grace. Ask him for grace. Ah, in this area, in that area. This is where I need your help. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Grace, 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 grace. Grace, 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 grace. Talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. 
Talk to him for yourself. Whatever you say in his ears, that he will do unto you. Talk to the Lord. Let him hear you. I command every wall of division, every wall of division, every wall of division to come tumbling down this morning in the name of Jesus. Come tumbling down in the name of Jesus. Stand to your feet, lift up your hands, everyone. Stand to your feet, lift up your hands. Just talk to the Lord. Stand to your feet, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet now in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, thank you for your word this morning. I ask for grace to accompany the word that your people have received. Grace for performance grace for obedience I ask for a release of that grace upon every willing heart here in the name of Jesus where hitherto there had been confusion and division of any kind right now I command the tumbling down of every such walls in the mighty name of Jesus where there has been confusion where there has been pain and aches that have gone on and on and on, affected your heart, and there is no comfort from anywhere. Oh, I present to you this morning, Jesus, the balm of Gilead. He heals your heart. He heals your emotions. Be healed in your emotions. Be healed in your mind. In the name of Jesus. Right now, I arrest every arrow of the wicked pointed in the direction of any and every family represented here. Husbands and wives, parents and children, immediate and extended families. Every such arrow of the wicked, every divination, every machination of hell against every family in this place. Right now, I arrest every such evil force. I bring them under subjection to the mighty name of Jesus. I render powerless every way and manner of oppression of the forces of evil arrayed against the stability of your home. I render them powerless. I render them futile. I cancel them. I uproot them and cause them to be burnt with unquenchable fire in the name of the Lord Jesus. The grace of God avails for you. The grace of God avails for you. As you step out of this place today, the Lord expands this word in your heart. You begin to know what to do. You will know what to do. You will know what to do. You will know what to do. Can I hear you say, I will know what to do. I will know what to do. I will know what to do. Concerning that situation, I will know what to do. It is well with you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you are here and you are single and you know it is your time, I want to pray for you even right from here. You will not mismarry. You will not mischoose. <laughs> you are not saying amen. Just place your hand on your forehead if you fall in that category. In the mighty name of Jesus, the Lord said, I, sent, I send you like sheep amongst wolves. But your security, he said, is that my sheep hear my voice. You will hear the voice of the Lord. When the wrong people come, you will know they are the wrong people. You will not choose with the sight of your eyes like, like, like Samuel did. But the spirit of the Lord, he will order your steps in the name of Jesus. Receive sensitivity of spirit. 
And any relationship that is not supposed to be, some relationships are not meant to be. They are not going anywhere. You know it. It's not going anywhere. It's undefined. It's aimless. It's directionless. Receive the grace to walk away from it in the name of Jesus. And then comes to it in the name of Jesus. That which is yours will come to you in God's own time, in God's own way, in a glorious manner, in the mighty name of Jesus. The favor of God locates you. The favor of God announces you. The favor of God relocates you. The favor of God relocates you maritally in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Lift up your hands, everyone. Give the Lord thanks. Give him praise. Let's appreciate the Lord. Let's give him all the glory. Let's give him all the thanks.